Thank you, veterans. Thank you very much for wearing the uniform. I come from a military family. My dad uh, served in the Europe and the Pacific during World War II, have several brothers. I'm the youngest of 11. Everything's big in Texas. We're originally from Texas, so. Uh, plus, uh, football's a religion, so my dad wanted his own football team. Uh, Courtney last week asked me about preparing the message this morning, and um, I told, him, told her what the uh, passage was, and, she, and then I talked about what songs. She goes, well, we already have the set already done. The four songs are already ready to go, but when we go into the text this morning, we couldn't have picked, or God couldn't have picked, yeah. four better songs. Uh, no Zach Williams, but it was still a, a great, uh, great set of those four songs. I'm there sitting there thinking I, I couldn't have picked four better songs. Um, now, as we get started, if you have heard me preach before and you say, you know, this guy sounds familiar. In fact, uh, I think he's even preaching from the same text. Does he only have one message? <laughs> In fact, uh, I think he's even telling the same old jokes. You know, uh, and, and I can tell by his voice inflection and everything. I know I've heard this preacher preach before. I know I have. I just can't put my finger on it. Well, most of my preaching has been in maximum security prisons. So uh, <laughs> if, if you've heard me preach before, just like HIPAA laws with health, health department, uh, you're, you're safe with me. Um, something laid on my heart to call my pastor from my hometown of Bowie, Maryland. Uh, I grew up in Bowie, Maryland, accepted Jesus Christ at the age of 12 in 1972, my 50th anniversary this year. And uh, I called Pastor David Price, who was my pastor there uh, for many, many years. And uh, it was a great phone call. He said this was one of the best phone calls he ever gotten in his life. Uh, at age 12, he was in charge of the bus ministry. And every Sunday morning, he would pick me up, rain, snow, whatever. He was, he was faithful to pick me up at the bus ministry, and that's the only way I could get to church. And uh, through that, I, I really am grateful for, it, for his ministry. And in honor of him, he was big on sharing a book from time to time. In fact, we even did a skit on it one time. He was big on sharing a book. And in honor of him, I also want to introduce a book that I thought was outstanding. It's... Remember, redeeming your time. When uh, Jack Supp and I met earlier this year, and I talked to him about uh, the Lord leading on my heart becoming an elder here, and, and it is such a joy to be an elder here. Um, we have a great elder team, best elder team I've ever seen at, at any church by, by far. And um, I told him, I think the reason why I want to become an elder is because the Lord has laid on my heart to again, redeem my time, because I was actually reading this book. And in this book, it talks about several things. One is the, we all know this as, as believers, the omnipresence of God. And we all know that Jesus was 100% God. We're going to look at this this morning. But we also, no one has ever preached one. I've never heard the message, actually, and, and this message would preach. What about, and he talks about this in the book the author does, the unipresence of God. Well, what do you mean by that? The unipresence of God is that God went to one country, God went to one location, one city, one well, talked to one woman, had one conversation for only 
one conversion. Now, he had his disciples with them. His disciples were with them 24-7 as they walked by the way. We're going to look at that in our scripture this morning. But for whatever reason, God's plan was not to use his disciples. And uh, again, we're going to look at that this morning. So if you would, turn with me to John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read from my wife's Bible. I gave this to her just before I uh, asked her to marry me, I think back in 85 or somewhere along those lines. And uh, as you can see, it's very well worn now. Uh, there's a saying in, in life, someone that has a well-worn Bible has a life that isn't. Of course, she would tell you I probably have caused most of this Bible being worn <laughs> The way that it is. So uh, let's look at John chapter 4, picking up in verse 1. We're going to look at uh, 42 verses, and I'm going to let God speak, and then we'll pray. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize his disciples, he left Judah and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well and was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Then Jesus said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have said, you have well said. I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and this one who you now have is not your husband, and that you have spoken truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceived you to be a prophet, for our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming where you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship 
what you do not know, we know what we worship, for the salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will let us, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking to her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to them, come, see a man who told me all things that I've ever done. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples argued him and said, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, disciples said to one another, has someone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already widened to harvest. And he who reaps receives wages, gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and the other reaps. I set you to reap for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Verse 29 and many of, the, many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all things that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they argued with him to stay with him. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Dear Grace of Sunday, Father, Lord, I know this is a familiar verse to many of us, but Lord, may we look at this passage and this story with new eyes, new fresh eyes, and look at it again. And let, Lord, the few points that uh, you have laid on my heart to share this morning, Lord. Uh, may we leave here knowing that uh, we have been in God's word and that we have been with Jesus. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that this morning will be the hour of decision uh, for them. So, is what we have here is, I'm just going to point out a couple words that the Lord has laid on my heart. One is, you have it right there, is his disciples. Now, one of the things that we need to look at is man's way is never God's way, and God's way is never man's way. For if we were in charge of doing this, how would we do it? How would we go about saying, okay, we need to get this entire city to Jesus? Well, 
probably corporate America, Fortune 500 company, Fortune 1000 company, they probably bring in a great motivator. Like let's say, uh, I don't know, pick a great motivator, uh, Joel Osteen or Rick Warren, and uh, say, okay, this is what we need to do. We need to get everyone to Jesus. I'm going to have a chart. Whoever brings the most amount of, I'm going to keep track, whoever brings the most amount of people to Jesus, the top half get to go on and carry on with Jesus. The bottom half, we're going to kick you all to the curb, and we're only going to take the top half. That's, that's man's way of doing things. But one thing we just read here in Scripture, God's way is never man's way. And again, that's, that's biblical because the natural man can't do anything right. The next one is uh, God plus no one is 100% majority for all eternity. You know, and that's just not a bumper sticker or a political slogan. Uh, God plus no one all the time is 100% majority for all eternity. You don't, and one thing we're going to look at today, as we just covered in the scripture, you only need one person. You know, you only need one person. This woman, she went to the well at noon because nobody wanted her. She was despised, she was rejected, had no friends. She had a really, really hard life. And she goes to the well, and then she meets Jesus, and then what happens? She immediately goes back and tells others. Uh, and what did his disciples accomplish that day? Well, the only thing I can see that they accomplished is eating. <laughs> you know, that's really, that's all they, that's all they did. The, the, the scripture says that they were with Jesus, they got hungry, they were probably with Jesus before, way before noon, before the heat of the day. So maybe they even hadn't had breakfast yet. So they went into the city, maybe ate their first meal of the day, maybe breakfast. Um, obviously, they had money to, to buy all this. So maybe they even did some shopping, maybe bought some new sandals or got their sandals repaired or got a haircut or, or whatever. And then they realized, hey, it's lunchtime. Let's grab some lunch. So they ate again. And then they say, you know, this Jesus is making us go from town to town to town to town. Who knows when we're going to get some food again, so let's, let's pack up some, some lunch for, for the road. So they packed up more food. So according to Scripture, at least in this passage, the only thing the disciples, his disciples, his disciples, Jesus' disciples, accomplished was eating. But guess what? That was Jesus' plan. You know, because the Bible was written when? They told me this was an advanced congregation. <laughs> Bible was written before the foundations of the earth. You know, so Jesus being 100% God, he knew. He knew that this is exactly how it was going to transpire before he even got to the well. And this is why he went to the well, for one person. For one person that nobody wanted. That's from the uh, movie series, The Chosen. I was talking to my son about the passage I was going to share this morning, and uh, he brought up this, this, The Chosen and, and, and the video. It does get a little not total biblical text after that, where, uh, but that's okay. It's, it's uh, artistic licensing, where Jesus actually, right after that, Jesus actually names her five previous husbands. And uh, that's when you know, she realizes also that uh, he is the Christ because he knows ev everything about her. So the first point we're going to look at, and oh, the other thing too is that I wanted to share with my, in my phone, but I left my phone under my chair, of course. It, it's tough up here by yourself. Um, <laughs> that uh, 
I want you to go to the chosen and look at it, and then look at all the unbelievable comments and reviews that people have left, and how many people have come to Christ because of the video series, the movie, The, the Chosen. Millions and millions of people around the world have seen the movie, The Chosen. And one that uh, grabbed my heart where um, a husband uh, sent in a review or, or a message and said that um, my wife came home and saw me crying on my knees because I had just watched this and I accepted Christ as my Savior. And there's literally hundreds of thousands of those from people from all over the world. So just when we think that... Uh, no one wants to hear about Christianity anymore. Just when we think that no one wants to hear about the Bible or about Jesus anymore. I tell you, that so encouraged me to, to see hundreds of thousands of reviews from people from all over the world that came to Jesus because of the movie series, the video series, The, the Chosen. Um, so why did the woman leave her water pot? It says there in verse 28 um, that she left her water pot. Why did she leave that? Well, for a couple reasons. One is, she now has Jesus. She came to Jesus. And when you, you have Jesus, you know, even if you have nothing, if you have Jesus, you have everything. And even if you have everything and don't have Jesus, you have absolutely nothing. But what did Jesus tell her? I'm going to give you living water. And she said, give me this living water so therefore I never have to thirst from this well again. So she left her water pot, and then she went, because she now had living water, she didn't have any water from this world, she went, and again, it's, it's covered in uh, verses 13 to 15. I like that text better. That's bigger than the, I need longer arms for the Bible. Let's see here. Uh, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of my water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become to him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And one of the reasons why I used the New King James this morning, and I'm a huge fan of the King James and, and the New King James. I'm not a King James only, but I am a King James first, a lot like Pastor Thornley was. Um, he was a huge King James fan, is that if you notice in the New Testament for these watered-down translations that uh, a lot of times where it's talking about Christ, it has him in lowercase. Well, again, this is a me thing. I'll admit this is a me thing. Never split a church over it. But um, a brand-new believer picking up that passage of Scripture reads Jesus in lowercase and has no idea if reading the New Testament who's him is him talking about. So look in the New Testament how many times him is mentioned and the word him and, and is it talking about Jesus or is it just talking about an, an, another person too as well. And that's also very important in, in the, in the, uh, for, for Jews as well. You know, uh, hand a Jew a sheet of paper uh, that has Yahweh in all lowercase. Because all you've done is hand him a sheet of paper because that, that Means, means nothing to them. Uh, but again, she now has the living water. Um, so here comes the quickest homecoming the world has ever seen. Uh, again, we're in the harvest section, uh, section and uh, look at what we have here. 
Three, six words, went her way to the city. I'm writing a book. Well, I have the title. It's, <laughs> I've written a lot of books. Well, I, I have a lot of titles. Uh, but I'm writing a book that's called uh, Proverbs from Poppy. My grandchildren call me Poppy. And I'm writing a book that has a bunch of proverbs in it. Uh, two of those proverbs are right here. One is uh, half a life is just showing up. You know, I believe in that, in, in sharing the gospel, in witnessing. I've done street evangelism. I've done door-to-door. And I've seen people come to know the Lord. And again, half a life is just showing up. Uh, for those of you that know my son Daniel, uh, he was a decathlon champion, uh, which is unbelievable. It's 10 sports in 24 hours. But guess how he became a decathlon champion? He showed up. When he showed up to participate, to become the state champion, uh, guess how many people were there? How many people you know trained for decathlon in the state of Maryland? Well, there's only one pole vault coach, one javelin coach in the state of Maryland. So guess what? He was the only one that showed up, so they gave him the gold medal. You know, it was that simple. So now for the rest of my life, I can say my son was state champion in the decathlon because he showed up. Uh, And then I I like this one too. What is it about go that we don't understand? I have it in, in, again, writing my book since I got the title, Proverbs from Poppy. I have it. What is it about go that believers don't understand? Okay, this woman who nobody liked comes to Jesus, and then what does she immediately do? She goes and tells others immediately. No, oh, by the way, did Jesus command her to go to the city? No, she did it all on her own. Did Jesus train her to go there? No, she did it all on her own. Why? Because I think Jesus had such a grip on her. Jesus had such a grip on her that her past no longer mattered. You know, I think when she was walking back to the city, you know, some of us might think that, well, gee, what if at least in the flesh, let's say, well, I can't go back there because they all know me. And what are they going to think about me? What are, they going to, what are they going to say to me? See, I don't think those thoughts even entered her mind. I think she went back in the city and said, look, I have seen the Christ. You come see him also. And that, that was her simple message. And what happened? The entire city uh, came to see Jesus. It was, it was that simple. So again, uh, the world's quickest homecoming is... It happened instantly. We think of homecoming again as, you know, somebody going off to college for four years or five years or six years and coming back home. Someone going off to the military for 20 years and then coming back home. Someone, whatever, after retirement, maybe coming back to their home city. Uh, That's generally how we look at homecomings. You know, we have, high schools have homecomings, colleges have homecomings. But again, this is the world's quickest homecoming because Jesus got involved in it. It happened instantly. And to me, this isn't just a story. This is a miracle uh, of this woman. And again, it's also a miracle because his disciples were standing right there watching it. You know, um, what's that place up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Sights and Sound? You know? And let's say through their artist, uh, artist uh, license, they, what we just read in John 4, 1 through 42, that they had this as a, as a play. You know, and let's say in the play, they have the Samaritan woman who nobody wanted, everyone despised, no one wanted to be friends with her, brings the entire city to Jesus. And then in the play, the disciples are over there. And then Jesus goes, okay, this Samaritan woman brought the whole, where, where you know, what do you have to show for today? 
But again, that was God's plan to just use the Samaritan woman because, again, that's all Jesus needed. It was all Jesus needs is one. And just one person can change the world. Um, all right, here comes the world's fastest harvest. Let's look at quick, quickly how fast this world's fastest harvest happens. Uh, verses 48b through 42. I only got a couple minutes left. I better hurry up. <laughs> so uh, um, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to read 40b through 42 again. I am going to touch on a couple of high points, okay? If you go back to, and I, I think I can do it here. They told me I could. If you go back to verses 41, there we go. Pick it up in verse 40. You know, when uh, Julie's out of town, by the way, she's at a uh, wedding shower. Uh, her stepsister's son is getting married, and uh, they're having a wedding shower up, up in New Jersey. Her and Christina are there. And then, uh, but she did make this comment about when she heard that I was preaching this morning. She goes, well, how much time did they give you? And I said, well, generally most of them get like 30, 35, but they know I'm a long talker, so they gave, gave me 40. She goes, oh, you'll have no problem filling 40 minutes. Your problem is going to be stopping in 40 minutes. So, so with that, let's pick it up in verse 40. So when the Samaritan had come to him, so when the Samaritans, I'm sorry, when, this is verse 41, the world's fastest um, harvest. So when the Samaritans had come to him, and oh, by the way, how'd they come to him? Well, they came to them because the Samaritan woman had just told him, I have seen the Christ, Right? So the testimony of the Samaritan woman. So when the Samaritan woman came, then they say, so when the Samaritans came to him, again, capital H, so you know who to him is, they urged him to say with them that he stayed there two days. And here we come, verse 41. And many more believed, many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to, him, said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You know, you have here uh, world's quickest harvest, world, world's, uh, uh, world's quickest homecoming, world's fastest harvest. If you have a pen, I want you to put a big times two right there. Because this is actually two harvests, not just one. Well, where do you get that from? Well, right here in the text. Okay, so they came, and then if we also look at, going back to verse 35, it says, do, not, do they not say that there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look into the fields, for they are already white into harvest. And he who reaps, receives wages, gathers fruit, and eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Let me ask you this. When the disciples were in the town, were they talking to the exact same people? Yeah, they were. Exact same people. But yet, their eyes weren't open to how white the harvest was. You know, this harvest was... White under harvest because the one woman went there and then it became white, white under harvest. 
you know, when I read the Bible, and again, this is a me thing, 2,000 years ago, we had the New Testament. And when I read stories like this, I can't help but think that, you know, maybe there's someone here this morning, or maybe someone listening to the sound of my voice online that 2,000 years ago, 50 generations ago, I guess if a generation is 40 years, I'm not real good at math, I went to a public school, but uh, 50 times 40, 2,000, um, that we are the grandchildren possibly, great times 50, great-grandchildren times 50 of maybe the woman at the well or the woman that they told. You know, we all know that, um, you know, the, the day of Pentecost was the start of the New Testament church. Okay, but how did those people get teaming to that location to hear God's word and to hear the teaching if it wasn't for people like the Samaritan woman telling them one-on-one? Again, going back to my opening statement, the power of one and the one-on-one that, uh, that was transpired. Uh, I left out one word purposefully when I covered this text. And what do- oh, keep going. And I left it out purposely because I think the, for the rest of the, picture this woman now for the rest of her life. The rest of her life, she has this anchor. She has this anchor in her life that she was totally lost and she had a hard life. She had, she had a painful life. You know, again, I think when you stand before Sunday morning, before a congregation, God gives you insight that he never gave you before. And I think that's, that's the case with uh, this morning. In that, do you th- really think when she was 10, 11, 12 years old, she was thinking, man, I, I can't wait to go through five husbands. You know? No, but again, the way her life transpired until she met Jesus, she had a really, really tough life. She had a life that, again, the reason why she went to the well at 12, because nobody wanted her. Everybody in the city rejected her. She had no friends. You know, none of, none of the women wanted to talk to her. I think it's, again... It's, it's the way God would have it is that she goes to the well because she doesn't want to talk to anybody. Okay, did you get that in the text? She goes to the well because she doesn't want to talk to anybody. And then she meets Jesus. And then she goes tell, tells the whole city. Why? Because she now is Jesus. Amen. You know? Uh, totally different. So, you know, I believe that if we come here and hear the word and it's the same old, same old every single Sunday, you know, we're doing an injustice to, to God and, and his church and, and what he has done for us. So is what I have for you this morning. The word I left out is the city that you went to was in the original text was Sakar. So what, for the rest of her life, she's going to have this Sakar moment. So the question that we have, starting right now, because she did it right now, right? I think that's another lesson that we're learning from this passage. Do it right now. Don't wait. Okay, that what is going to be our Sakar moment moving forward from today? What's going to be our Sakar moment that we're going to have over the next year? Now, you have here in your notes a question right here. The, the question is, what are your Sakar moments? In other words, that you've had up until today, and then moving forward, what are you going to have starting right now? What are you going to have? What has God laid on your heart? In other words, if you met Jesus at the well, 
Okay, if you met Jesus at the wall this morning and he changed your life and he got a grip on you, how would he change you to go out to a lost and dying world? And then also, the last one, my Sakar moment before I hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your Lord. So you have three you can fill out there. Again, that's between you and the Lord. Some of y'all might know what it is, you know. Uh, most likely the very first thing you thought of, that's probably what God has laid on your heart the most, uh, too, as well. Um, I also speak a lot at, at men's conference and men's meetings, and one of the things that I, when I share something personal, I always say, okay, to the men. I say, am I safe? So I'm going to say this to the congregation, am I safe? One of the things that the Lord has laid on my heart in preparing this message, and I, I've, called, I've called every single hotel in Waldorf. Um, years ago, when I was traveling as a, as a speaker and sales trainer, in Phoenix one time, and, and I think it was actually in Scottsdale, that uh, I came across an organization that early in the morning, in the middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, thir Thursday, they had devotions, like 6, 7 a.m., so people could come and hear the word of God before they went off to work. The place was packed, packed. And now there's actually doing this throughout the country. I, I went to, over, up in Ashburn, I went to AOL one, one morning, packed. AOL had it packed of people, business people that come. And folks, the field is widened to harvest in Waldorf. Imagine if Grace Church Waldorf could start a ministry where we could, again, they're all still in the middle of COVID. I've contacted every single hotel in, in Waldorf. None of them will let me have a meeting there yet. But again, maybe someday they will. Where early, early, 6, 7 a.m., 7.30 a.m., just a quick, short, short devotion where everybody in Waldorf can show up. Let me tell you, it will be packed once we get that and once we get the word out. And that's what God has laid, laid on my heart. Another thing that he's laid on my heart, you know, when I became a, uh, as James said, I'm the first elder um, or, or the newest elder. And uh, that to me sounds kind of like an oxymoron, right? Newest elder, kind of like <laughs> jumbo shrimp, you know, uh, government intelligence. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, um, so I attended the first meeting, and I never forget my first elders meeting. They said, well, now that we got time, we got seven. So if any of us should suddenly pass away, we now got six pallbearers, you know? <laughs> so I, I, guess, I guess, you know, we, I, I checked the box for something. And then my second meeting, I said, you know, we need to start EE at, uh, at uh, Grace Church. And they said, Tom, that's a great idea. When are you going to start it? You know? So then my, I never forget my third meeting. I, I came there and I said, you know, we really need to start an in-depth college-level Bible study because our congregation needs to get deeper into the Word. And they, guess what they said? That's great, Tom. When are you going to start it? So we now got EE and FBI. And then, you know, I hadn't learned my lesson yet. So the fourth meeting, I said, you know, when's the last time we had a church-wide mission trip where everybody in the church, high school and up, Ninth grade up, everyone can go out on a missions trip together. I said, I found this organization called SCORE International. They specialize in churches going on short, short-term missions trips, okay? Um, I know people that are, that are involved with them. I came, came in contact with them. And guess what? We are going on a short-term missions trip next month. Don't worry about the money. We'll make it happen, okay? I already have one. It, it, it's, it's like... 495 and brother James, thank you so much for helping me with this, because uh, you know I got a lot on my plate. And uh, brother James says, and, and 
wife Elizabeth has helped me with this. But, but again, right there you have uh, Score International. Uh, we're going December 15th to 20th. We're going to the mountains of the Appalachian Mountains, the poorest zip codes in America. These people have no food. They have no clothing. They have no shoes. Last year when Score went there, 30 came to know the Lord. Eight of them immediately signed up for SCORE missions trips. Now you talk about harvest times two, there you have harvest times two. Um, so please see myself or James, and uh, you know, we're only half filled of what I committed to SCORE that I think we should, the number of people that I could get there. So we, we need, and it's coming up quick next month, December 15th through the 20th. Please, if the Lord has laid on your heart, even if you don't have the money, we'll, we'll make it happen. I think it's 495, and it's all you have to do is get there. They provide everything. There's a group of Christian coaches at Kentucky University every year, led by the uh, baseball coach, the men's baseball coach, that provide all the food, all the clothing, is all we have to do is disperse it. That's it. It's that simple, okay? Uh, so again, see myself or see James, but we, we need to double that number. So in closing, uh, again, we see in verse 29, come see the man that has told me all things that I've ever done. Verse 39, he told me all things that I ever did. You know, Jesus knows everything about all of us, every thought, every word we've said. And I brought up this slide because he loves on, loves on us anyhow. You know, this woman had a hard life, and life is hard, life is painful, you know. And I can't help but think that maybe this woman heard about Jesus's arrest, heard about Jesus being tried, Jesus being convicted, Jesus being crucified, Jesus buried. Imagine if she heard all that during that three-day period when Jesus was in the grave. And then somebody told her about the resurrection, you know, and then she got to live the rest of her life knowing that Jesus does conquer, conquer death, and I have all my trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. So the last point I want to leave you is that, you know, life is hard, life is tough, and we have some people in our congregation that are going through hard times right now, painful times. But just like I started this with the book, you know, Redeem Your Time, Jesus wants to redeem your pain. All of it, both past, present, and future. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, finish this message in our hearts. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for a story that we're very familiar with, but Lord, may it hit home in our hearts this morning. And if anyone doesn't know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, may through your word, through this miracle that we studied this morning, the Samaritan woman, again, if the Samaritan woman can come to Jesus and get a totally changed life, anyone can come to Jesus. And Lord, we pray for those that are uh, going through a painful time in their life now in our congregation. Uh, may you be with them. Uh, may they lean on you. And as your word says in Jude 1, 24 and 25, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. And all God's people said...